They're not interested. So interested without a good reason is still a level of interest. So that means that there's some follow-up that needs to be done. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day, they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn any income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers become founders and earn the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth and wealth and freedom. Until tomorrow, no code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1%. A day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts the answers about the money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. I consider today's guest a sales superhero. And he is the Forex founder. His name is Colin Mitchell. And from co-founding SalesCast to Monster Voice over IP, from hosting Sales Hustle to being a true modern thought leader in the domain, this interview today will show you what you've been missing when it comes to sales. That the key is to always be helping not always be closing, and will give you the insights that will transform the way you approach everything in your business and life. Colin, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited to dive into these topics. Yes, we will go at full speed because this is so valuable. I want to ask you, What was the experience or the moment that you thought, sales, this is important, I have to handle this, I have to master it, I have to live it and breathe it and become somebody who does sales often and well? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So sales is really the only thing that gave me an opportunity. You know, I didn't go to a fancy college. Frankly, I barely made it through high school, and that didn't really open up a ton of job opportunities for me. So sales was the first job that I was able to get, and I learned a lot. Um, And I saw a lot of opportunity early on because, you know, I was also I also grew up poor. Like we had, you know, we grew up on government assistance, and I was raised by a single mom with three brothers. She did the best she could, but we didn't have a ton of money. Um, So for the first time, I was making decent money. And it was because I got an opportunity as a sales job. And, you know, I really saw that sales could provide me a future that I never thought was possible for somebody like me. Um, So from there, I worked really, really hard. 
Um, you know, I was the first one in the office. I was the last one to leave. I came in on Saturdays to prepare for the next week. And there was a lot of things that um, I saw early on of how bright a future could be if you could really master this craft of sales. So this took me on a bit of a journey of seeking out how to get better at my craft. And that looked like following people on social media, reading blogs, listening to podcasts, taking courses, and really investing in my own personal development to master this craft of sales. A lot of people think that, you know, you got to have gift of the gab, or you got to be a great closer, or you got to be able to persuade or manipulate people. And a lot of those mis- are misconceptions. Um, some of the best salespeople understand that being a sales professional, really mastering the craft of sales is all about helping others and all about being curious of asking good questions to look for opportunities to help people go along that journey of change, whatever it is that your product or service does for them. That's beautiful. Actually, this makes me think that sales has a lot more to do with uh being similar to negotiating, you know, that um, uh, never split the difference. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of that book. I Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a great book. Chris Voss has a lot of great things that you can learn if, if you're looking to master the craft of sales. Um, and the thing is, is you know, there's a lot of people that are great creators or entrepreneurial or founders, and sales is the number one skill that I believe all founders must have. Now, and what that looks like is really knowing how to scale a business. You know, I've uh, grown multiple companies to seven figures, 100% fueled by outbound sales. Um, so, doesn't, you know, your product can be okay or decent or an MVP, but to really go to the next level and create income for yourself, you've got to master the craft of sales. And what a lot of people don't understand is it starts with getting the right mindset, taking care of yourself personally so that you can execute at the highest level professionally when you're in that you know sales role in whatever it is that you do. Yes. I believe in that. It's like when being in an airplane and the uh, oxygen mask comes, you have to put your own oxygen mask first so that you refill your tank and you're able to help others and perform at the best levels when needed. And I want to ask you about two things. You said that you didn't have the gift of the gab and you are, you know, mostly living a less than ideal or below average even life for most of your existence. Can you share how, you know, how difficult it was for you before and that your personality wasn't really perfectly suited to be that stereotypical salesman? And then what did you find that you needed to be? You know, let's begin with that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, naturally I'm a very introverted person, right? So a lot of the stereotypes that you think of a salesperson is somebody very charismatic and, you know, life of the party and, and kind of that sort of person, somebody, you know, but there's also this conception that a lot of people think like sales is a dirty word. Like they don't want to be a salesman. You know, a lot of times they, people think of salespeople as 
liars or manipulators, or they're commonly referred to as, you know, the, the used car salesman. And, you know, that is not what sales is. That might be what they see on the movies. And yes, there's maybe some experiences that they've had that led them to those beliefs. Um, but, you know, sales becomes, there's a lot of, there's a natural, you know, transition that a lot of salespeople go through if they've been in sales for a while. And sometimes it starts with, you know, really just kind of throwing things out there and, and seeing what sticks and trying new things. But there's a big difference between what I like to call order takers and sales professionals. You know, there's a lot of people that can take orders um, and, you know, do the activity of sales, but never really elevate to a sales professional. And to be a sales professional, it takes a lot of work, a lot of discipline, a lot of being open and willing to learn and to get better and to try new things. So, you know, early on, I learned some some really good habits, um, some good work ethic, you know, some simple things like not taking things too personally, because even the most successful salespeople, they get way more no's than they do yeses. Um, and that's important because sales can be a very up and down emotional roller coaster. And if you can't ride those ups and downs or those highs and lows, it can be very challenging and it's not for everybody. But if you can really ride those waves and you know look at each no as an opportunity to learn and get better and review, it's you know, I'm not a big sports guy, but if you think about it, you know, if if a if if a team goes out to play a game a championship game and they lose you better believe they're going to review that game tape over and over and over again to see how they can improve and get better and a lot of times you got to look at the sales role like that um and to kind of go back to another thing that i mentioned is you know it starts with your mindset and how you take care of yourself personally you know and these are some really critical simple things. It looks like, you know, uh, getting proper sleep, um, you know, exercising, eating healthy food, you know, um, these are simple things, you know, uh, having maybe some sort of spiritual practice or meditation practice. There's a lot of things that you got to do to take care of yourself personally so that when you get into your, your role of sales, you can be firing on all cylinders. That's beautiful. And I'm a big believer in mindfulness and meditation and i've been doing it for eight years and if i may contribute and i know you're the master of this i have this mantra which keeps my mindset all right it's that yes is found in the land of of no i was just that you know the more no's you go through the closer you get to a yes and there is something that i don't know whether you agree with but i believe firmly that people you know, that hesitation that people have about selling and about being a sleazy salesman and all that, they don't understand the concept of finding a qualified lead to buy and you're facilitating the, the process of them getting the information, the answers, the clarity, the understanding. You're helping somebody who's out there shopping or who has a problem, but they've been avoiding it for a while. And you're not just going to a person who is disinterested or doesn't care about the thing and you're trying to force your will into them. And like you said, you get a lot more no's than yeses, which is the VC strategy where that VCs, they say, 
well, they might lose on nine deals, but the one deal they get makes them 10 times more than they would have made from those other deals all together. So can you define terms, though? Just comment on whatever you want and define what is sales, like really? And what is a sales professional, like you said, somebody who's pushing the boundaries, but what is their role? What do they do? What is sales? What is this whole thing that we're using this uh, terminology to describe? There's only a small, small percentage of people that are in buy mode, ready to buy. And this applies to whatever it is you do. We're talking about single digit numbers. Okay. We're talking about less than 5% of people are really actively seeking out whatever it is you do, whatever product you sell, whatever service you provide. So, and then there's about 20%, you know, give or take of people that are totally happy with whatever they have and they're never going to change. Maybe they're in a long term contract, maybe their problem isn't worth solving, whatever the case there is. So, where you're really going after is that 60 to you know, maybe 75% of people that are somewhere in between. They're not totally happy with what they have, or they may not totally realize what problem they need to solve, um, but they're not fully in buy mode. So your job as a seller is not to manipulate, is not to persuade, is not to, you know, BS them to go along this journey. Your job starts with when you very first engage this prospect. And we like to call this the discovery process. And the discovery process is equally as important to the prospect as it is to you as the seller. Because it's your opportunity to diagnose what their current state is or what problems they have, what the impact of not solving those problems are so that they understand the importance of this journey of this you know change that they're going to have to go through which looks like them you know making a transaction with you um, so your job is to identify those problems help them understand the impact of not solving those problems and then you as the seller are serving them by helping solve those problems and somewhere in the sales process they might forget how important it is to solve those problems. So that's when it's your job to go back and help them remind, help remind them why they need to do this, why they need to move forward, why they need to proceed with, you know, the next step or the next stage in the selling process. Does, does that answer your question? That was beautiful. You were summarizing their spin selling and problem agitate solution and you know the way i refer to it is more those 67 percent that you talked about that is marketing which is nurturing the lead getting the lead you know to to fruition and then when they're ready move into sales but it's so interesting that you describe that a sales professional consider themselves to be selling from that moment that the need begins to bubble up in the in the person's life or the lead or whatever until that moment where they're seriously considering to buy. So to you, do you believe that money is in the follow-up or like how many calls or when do you know when to stop if, there, if that's something that you even do or you keep following up? 
before you know you say that this person uh, that won't buy because most people what they do is they try once they maybe send an email say oh are you interested in xyz they're like no goodbye what is your strategy in dealing with this yeah i mean it it depends right depends on what stage of the sales cycle they're in right so let's let's start from the top right if you're doing some sort of outbound whether you're doing cold calling cold email linkedin dms whatever it is you know no not interested is diff- no, no not interested without a reason is very different than no not interested with a good reason now what's a good reason a good reason is hey sorry i'm in a 5 year contract there's absolutely nothing that i can do you're definitely not going to continue to follow up with that lead right now no not interested without a good reason what does that look like well that looks like hey i'm not interested this is not a priority for us right now okay they're not interested so interested without a good reason is still a level of interest so that means that there's some follow up that needs to be done that's a lead that you can continue to nurture that's a lead that you can you know check back with every 30 45 or 60 days whatever it looks like um or you can have a conversation with them and understand why they're not interested, when it might be a priority. If A, B, or C happen, would it make it more of a priority? So there's a lot of different directions that you can go with those no, not interested without a good reason. Okay. Now let's say that they are interested. Okay. So we talked about, you know, outbound, you know, really top of the funnel activities, two different paths, no, not interested without a reason, and then no, not interested with a good reason and how to handle those. Now let's talk about leads that maybe proceed, they have, they show a level of interest and you engage with them and those prospects go through a discovery process, whatever that looks like in your sales playbook. Um, and the discovery process is the most important process of the sales process. I'll repeat that again. The discovery process is the most important process in your sales process. Because one, it's going to help you identify if they are a lead or a prospect that actually needs what you have or has a problem that you can solve, right? And if you skip this crucial step, you end up with a lot of prospects in your pipeline that are never going to close and you're going to be ripping your hair out because you just don't know what to do. Now, let's assume that you do the discovery process, you get through that stage, and then at some point after the discovery, maybe after the demo, they start to ghost you or they're now no longer interested. And I think to kind of sum up your question, right? You said, do you follow up? Do you not follow up? How many times do you follow up? Well, if you did a good, thorough discovery, which you should have fully documented inside of your CRM, this is your point where you go back and you tactfully remind them of why they need to continue or why they need to go to the next stage or why they said it's so important to solve this problem or remind them of the impact of what will happen if they don't solve this problem. Maybe they're not going to hit their goals. Maybe they're not going to hit bonus. Maybe you know, it's gonna, whatever the case is, it just depends on what you do. Um, and you remind them of that. Now, the amount of times you follow up varies. Um, but you don't want to follow up 
too much where you seem desperate um, because then, you know, it doesn't, you don't come off as a very confident seller. You have to, a lot of the, a lot of times the problem with people in sales is they're not confident in themselves or they're not confident in their product or their service and what they do. And every deal is a make or break deal for them. And you got to really come from a place where, you know, hey, you're there to help them. And if they don't want your help, then it's time to move on because there's plenty of other people out there that do need your help and understand the value of you helping them. So how many times you follow up? Hard to really answer that question, but how you follow up is more important. And it's by starting with the discovery. So if you do the discovery right, the deal will essentially move forward and close on its own. That's why I say you don't need to be a great closer to be a sales professional and to do great in sales. You need to be good at asking good questions. You need to be good at asking your, you know, listening to your prospect. You need to be good at conducting a deep, thorough discovery. Those are the things that lead to the close or lead to the sale. And if you, at some point, they say they're not interested and you don't have enough fuel from your discovery to keep that conversation going, to keep that lead or prospect moving along in the sales process, then that means you need to review your discovery process as a whole because there's something broken in it. That's, that's beautifully said. And it reminds me of uh, Jim Camp's work where he talks about two things that are relevant. And I think that you're doing everything that he has found and discovered. So you're probably a genius in your own right and you underestimate yourself. He talks about if there is no need, pack your bags and leave. And he says to have a a budget in terms of time, money, or whatever to follow through with people. And once that's done, you go so that you're never, you know, in too deep and the sunk cost bias kicks in. And to you, I want to know about you as a person. I will have two questions, but one is, what change do you want to create in this world? What is something that through selling, through sharing this knowledge, through doing all the work that you do, something in this world that you want to make different? I mean, I'm really passionate about helping people in the sales community, um, which is part of the reason why I started Sales Hustle, uh, which is my podcast. And, you know, when I started on early on sales, you know, I learned a lot of bad habits, you know, mainly because of lack of leadership, lack of training, and just, you know, people teaching me kind of a old fashioned way of doing sales. And I had to go out and seek out a lot of things on my own. And unfortunately today, there is a lot of organizations where salespeople are not getting the professional development resources that they need to become better at their craft. And so that's part of the reason why I started Sales Hustle is my way of giving back to the sales community so that they can tune in three times a week and we bring, you know, top sales change makers from all different roles, shapes, sizes, doesn't matter, um, you know, different roles, different industries um, to, you know, people that are thinking differently about sales, that are trying new things, that are testing things. Um, and so we're bringing them on and, you know, it's 30 minutes, they can tune in, they can learn something and, you know, get back in the saddle and and try it out. Um, and so that's, you know, something that I'm really passionate about. I'm really passionate about helping people, 
um, build more relationships with the right people through this um, medium of podcasting, which is why you know me and my co-founder Chris started Salescast. Tell us more about Salescast. Yeah, so Salescast is um, we manage B two B podcasts to help people transform the way that they uh, you know make more relationships with the right people and, and land their dream clients. Um, they can check that out at salescast.co. It's great. I've checked your website and I'm familiar with your work. And I believe you're doing good things in this world. And I have a question that I prepared for you specially. And it's All right. if we were having this discussion five years from today and you are looking back over these five years, what has to have happened in your life, both personally and professionally for you to feel happy with your progress? That is a tough question. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that likes to set goals. And then when I hit the goals, I'm like, yeah, that's still not enough. We could have done better. <laughs> so, so sometimes that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, cause it helps me push the limits and always want to do more. But then sometimes, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's important to take time to acknowledge things and pat yourself on the back a little bit and give yourself some credit. Um, so if I were to say five years from now to look back, you know, Chris and I have some pretty ambitious goals. We want to, you know, impact as many people as possible, um, to break out of, um, isolation and into acceptance through storytelling, um, via a podcast. Um, so we're very passionate about that. And I think that, you know, we're on track to hit those goals. And, uh, you know, I think that we probably will hit it before the time limit that we set out. But basically our, our goal, I'll just tell you is to work closely with the top 10 change makers globally to use the art of storytelling to transcend bar uh, transcend barriers and empower 100 million people to step out of isolation and into acceptance. I love that. And can you tell us a bit more about the art of storytelling? Because we've been talking about sales all this time, just a short few ideas about what comes to your mind when you share your passion and thoughts on storytelling. Yeah, storytelling is so important and it is a bit of an art. And um, it's something that, you know, I didn't always think that I was, you know, great at, right? It does take practice. And, you know, people like stories. They do. You know, why do you think movies do so well? Why is you know, Netflix do so well. Um, people enjoy stories and you can integrate storytelling, um, you know, into your sales, you know, into your sales efforts, into your marketing efforts, into both, you know, they can be integrated. Um, bring yourself into more conversations. Now you definitely got to make the conversation more about your, your prospect. Like the goal is to shine a, a light on them and, you know, they are the center of the conversation, but, you know, bring stories into your conversations to help them identify with things better. Um, which is a lot better than you just, you know, spewing a bunch of features and benefits and awards and things like that, or case studies, you know, bring stories and bring them into that. And it can really make a big difference in, in where those conversations go. And like you know, to kind of transition to more like podcasting, you know, if you're trying to build more relationships with the right people, 
you know, what better way than to invite them onto your platform and let them share their story with your audience? Of course. That's a beautiful thing, especially connecting with people. Relationships is the core of selling. You know, maybe we should have another word since selling now in the minds of people is totally misunderstood. But what selling is, it's developing a relationship of trust with somebody so that they trust you, open up to you, tell you their real needs, and then you help them meet those needs or get to those goals or fix those problems that are deep down the truth, not the facade that some people might say to strangers, but what is underneath it all that is moving them and driving them and maybe keeping them up at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to build rapport. It's important. Building relationships is important. Um, those are important. However, they're all, they have to, they, you have to still be good at diagnosing problems and helping people see the impact of not solving those problems so that they will go on that journey. A lot of people think just because people, you know, know you, like you, or trust you, that that's enough to get to do business with them. And it's not, it's, it's, it's important, but it will not, it will, it, that by itself is not enough. Of course. That's why I said, so that they tell you the real thing right. when you're diagnosing, because if they feel you're a stranger, then they don't. And I want to ask you, since you're a father, what did your skills of salesmanship and storytelling help you be a better parent and, you know, have a better relationship with your kids or do better? In which ways did it make an impact? Yeah, I would say my my sales success with convincing my kids to do things like eat their vegetables and go to bed and not do certain things... Uh, I'm not as, as I'm not I'm not batting as well in that department. <laughs> they're they're tougher to sell, that's for sure. No, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, yeah, you definitely with kids. You know, everybody sells whether they want to admit it or not. If you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're you know one of the best sales coaches that I know that's out there teaching people, you know, how to do outbound very successfully. You know, he was a teacher first. And, you know, he was selling high school students on, you know, to do certain things. So everybody sells in some capacity, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, and yeah, definitely, there's definitely little tricks that I've been able to uh, inject in my parenting with my kids when trying to convince them certain things or tell them why we're doing certain things or why we're going to go on this journey. And it all starts with asking good questions and listening first. Um, so those are skills that I acquired, um, as you know, in my journey of trying to become a better person in sales. Thank you. I mean, our interview today was personally very valuable to me and I know the value of your time. You're doing big things and making big changes in this world. If people want to know more about you, they want to be involved or to find you, learn from you, get you know, access to whatever you offer in the various companies you founded and the work you do, what can they find? What do you offer? Where can they find you? Yeah, the, there's a couple places. Um, number one, you can check out Sales Hustle on all the podcast platforms. Uh, best place on social media for me is LinkedIn, uh, Colin Dash Sales Hustle. 
Um, and if they want to learn more about starting a podcast, growing a podcast, or building more relationships with the right people to win their dream clients, they can check out salescast.co. Thank you for your time. I wish you and to everybody listening a good day. Goodbye. Bye.